This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. Montreal is in the house this week with our two guests who hail from La Belle Provence. First up on the show today, we have radio legend and beloved McGill University chemistry prof, Dr. Joe Schwartz, who is here to answer all of your questions about demystifying and debunking complex scientific subjects and simplifying them in a very entertaining and informative manner. This is your chance to ask Dr. Joe any question you have about love, aging, food, science, chemistry, and a healthy and happy lifestyle. We will even talk about Montreal bagels and smoke meat. Give us a call at 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740 with your questions for Dr. Joe Schwartz. As well, we have singer, songwriter, actress, and voiceover queen Wendy Lands in the house to tell us all about her new cabaret musical, which has been nominated for a Broadway World Award. She will also be singing live for us later on in the show. But first, it is an honor to welcome you, Dr. Joe Schwartz. Director of McGill University's Office for Science and Society, which is dedicated to demystifying science for the public, the media, and your students. Not only is he a chemistry professor, but he is the author of 18 books, Taking Chemistry and Making the Complex Simple. He has received numerous awards for teaching chemistry and for interpreting science for the public, and is also the only non-American ever to win the American Chemical Society's prestigious Grady Stack Award for interpreting chemistry for the public. He has also hosted his own radio show, The Dr. Joe Show, for 40 years in Montreal on CJAD. And he is a magician shoe. He is a magician as well. How can we show magic on a radio show? We're going to find out. I met Dr. Joe when he was giving a keynote speech at a medical conference in Ottawa, and he did a fantastic job speaking about the chemistry of love. We are so happy to have him here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. Dr. Joe Schwartz, welcome. Thanks very much, Judy. (laughs) So when we met, the first thing you asked me was, what do I do? And I told you that I was hosting a radio show, and you asked me for how long I'd been doing it for. And at the time, I said, a week. (laughs) And you said... I've been hosting a radio show too. And I said, how long have you been doing it for? And you said 40 years. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, we're just uh, starting my 40th year. And uh, I like to say that it's the longest running radio show on chemistry in the history of the world. Uh, but it is also the only radio show on chemistry in the history of the world. <laughs> so I can cherry pick data, you know, as, as well as anyone. But yeah, it's been a long run and it's been fun. Uh, trying to elucidate science for the public and answering questions of all kinds and uh, commenting on current happenings in the world of science. And uh, uh, it's fun. As you all know, doing this kind of thing is fun. You you don't do this because of the uh, uh, great funding that is available. It's it's just uh, an entertaining thing to do. Absolutely. To what do you attribute the 40 years of success doing this? Because that's a very long run. It is. uh, I think that... um, uh, because of all the public lectures that I give uh, and, um, you know, my interaction of, 
with the public, I have my fingers on the pulse of, of people. Yeah. I know the kind of things that they're interested in. So I know what to bring up on, on the radio. And very often I will kind of answer questions even before they ask, because <laughs> I, I know what's out there and, you know, what's been going on. And, uh, uh, these days in the era of fake news, uh, yes. you know, I mean, uh, answering these kind of questions is, is even more important than it ever has been. The Internet has been both a devil and um, an angel at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's great. I mean, I, you know, I haven't been to a library in, in years. Mm -hmm. well, why would I go? It comes to me with a few keystrokes. But unfortunately, there are also bloggers out there who are self-proclaimed experts who think that they know everything yes. and uh, give uh, very simplistic advice to complex problems, Absolutely. invariably wrong. So it's sort of our task to make sure that, that we can correct the misconceptions. And I think people enjoy that. I know that's one of your big pet peeves. You you are a director, uh, a chemistry professor at McGill University and the director of McGill University's Office for Science and Society, which is dedicated to demystifying science for the public, the media, and your students. How did you get interested in chemistry in the first place? Uh, it, it goes back a long time. I, I was actually in grade six, believe it or not, when all this happened. And I was invited to a birthday party with a number of my friends. And uh, the birthday boy's parents had hired a magician to entertain us. <laughs> and uh, he was a teenager, but to us, he looked like an accomplished pro. The fact is, he wasn't very good. Most of the tricks he did, I have long forgotten, but there was one that was uh, life-changing. He told us that uh, he was going to perform a miracle. He was going to show how nature can be defied. And he took out a rope. <laughs> and he pretended to sprinkle a magic chemical on this rope. And all of the sudden, the rope became solid. <laughs> and I didn't know how on earth this happened. I knew it wasn't done with any magic chemical. <laughs> but you know what intrigued me was his use of the words magic chemical, not alakazam or abracad or hocus wow. pocus. Why? So I went to the school library and I took out a book on chemistry and took out a book on magic. And I followed those ever since. Which sounds like, uh, you know, an improbable duo because chemistry is a hard science firmly rooted in the laws of nature. <laughs> what do magicians do? They defy nature, right? They make things appear. They make things sure. disappear. But the fact is, of course, that a magician on the stage is really a scientist playing the role of a magician <laughs> because everything that he or she does is perfectly explicable by, you know, scientific means. You see a lady being cut in half <laughs> on the stage and you see them, you know, divided and the head on one side of the stage and the moving uh, legs on the other, you know that there are two ladies involved, <laughs> right? I never knew that until <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> so, so, you know, the uh, magicians are the scientists of the stage. And of course, they want to hide the effect, uh, the uh, illustration of the effect, you know, that's the entertainment value. Whereas in science, we want to demystify because science can also look like magic until you know the explanation. <laughs> and, you know, I do a lot of chemical demonstrations where you pour two liquids together and changes color. It looks like magic until you explain exactly what is happening. You take out the magic and you replace it with science. So, so cool. So they actually yeah. really are inextricably tied in an interesting they are, way. They are. They are. And I've followed, you know, both of those paths ever since. And, uh, you know, magic is, is always entertaining. And you can always find a magic effect that illustrates some sort of scientific concept. And that's what I do. So in, in uh, my public lectures, I usually start with some sort of magic effect and end with some magic effect and fill it in between with a lot of science. 
Is it possible to show magic on the radio? <laughs> uh, that, that's a tough thing. Uh, magic, of course, is is very very visual. Yes. But there are people who do what what is called mental magic. Mental magic. Yes. Uh, for example, things like you 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 know uh, ask people to think of a number between one and fifty, and uh, so just to just to make it easier, think of an odd number. Mm-hmm. Chances are that people will think of either thirty seven or thirty nine. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but you know that's what happens. And uh, of course, uh, the people who thought of thirty-seven or thirty-nine are very impressed when you say that. <laughs> the ones who thought of some other number, they will forget it. But the ones who thought of thirty-seven think that you really are a mentalist. You're, you're it. So, yeah. <laughs> the McGill Office for Science and Society is a unique university venture. How did that all come about? It is indeed unique. I don't think that there's any other university that has an office dedicated to basically separating sense from nonsense and to to demystifying science for the public. And uh, together with uh, several of my colleagues over the years, we had been doing a lot of public outreach, doing lectures. And uh, the word got back to the university that this this is very much appreciated. And uh, McGill decided that uh, we would make this more formal and uh, organized this office. And luckily, we had a philanthropic donor, Lorne Trottier, who is an engineer and very much in love with science. And he gave us money, and we are working off the interest of of that money. And uh, uh, we are totally under the university's care so that we, we don't accept any funding from an invested source. Makes no difference to me or to my colleagues whether any food additive or cosmetic or drug is regulated or not. Mm-hmm. The only thing that matters is that whatever decision is arrived at is arrived at based on scientific methodology, mm-hmm. not on hearsay and not on emotion. Sure. And uh, it's been very successful. Uh, we have a, a weekly newsletter for free that anyone can sign up to. You mm-hmm. just go to our website, which is easy to remember. It's mcgill.ca slash OSS for Officer Science and Society. It's entertaining. It's informative. We do a lot of public lectures. I answer numerous questions by email. I mean, every morning I come in, I open my computer, and you know, there's a list, emails, list right? of questions in the inbox, already. Right? <laughs> and again, you know, you were asking how how we know what to talk about. Well, that's partly how I know because I see the kind of questions, you know. And also, I know, for example, when something has come up on the Doctor Oz show, because <laughs> at, at five o'clock or whenever it's over, my phone starts to ring, and people ask. Is it true that, you know, it almost never is, but that's how it starts. People hear these things. We have to comment on them. We have someone on the line. Judy is on the line, I believe, calling in from Toronto. And Judy, you're on the air. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Good afternoon and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, AM 740, FM 96.7. Do you have a question for Dr. Joe? Yeah, I just want to say, Judy, I love your show. You're fantastic. Thank and, you. Uh, what a gift. And um, I would like to find out what your thoughts are on intermittent fasting. Well, actually, uh, perhaps surprisingly, there is scientific evidence for intermittent fasting. <clears throat> it all started out with animal studies. And, uh, you know, animal studies cannot necessarily be extrapolated to humans because the, the human is not a giant rat, although there are some exceptions to that. But in general, no. And uh, there were studies that showed that when animals, uh, rats, were put on a daily regimen where they were only allowed to eat for X numbers of hours a, a day, uh, they did better. They were healthier and they uh, didn't put on as much weight. And then we started to look at some human evidence, and there is some for this as well. 
Uh, now, intermittent fasting can take on many different forms. There are some people who um, abide by the so-called five to two rule. Mm-hmm. For five days, they eat normally. And for two days, they consume only 500 calories. Mm-hmm. There's some evidence there for weight loss. And, uh, but uh, I think there's more evidence for what is now being referred to as the 16 hour fast. Yes. Which means that for eight hours of the day, uh, you eat basically anything that you want. Well, anything. I mean, obviously, <laughs> if, if you're going to fill those eight hours with, with hot dogs and french fries, you're not going to do too well. <laughs> but the idea is that you eat for eight hours and then you don't eat anything at all for 16 hours. Mm-hmm. And even though the total calorie consumption may be exactly the same as for someone who eats over the 24-hour period, it turns out that you lose weight and you feel better. Is that mostly because you're just eating less? Because in all of those hours... Well, that's what I always thought. (laughs) And it turns out when you look at the studies, that's very often... No, they're, they're reading the same number of calories, just it is telescoped into a, a shorter time frame. Yes. We don't have a real good scientific explanation for why this is. We're looking for it. But right now, it's just the observation. And uh, I, I think also, um, normally what you do is is you fast from about six o'clock in the evening till uh, till morning. And there's plenty of evidence to show that the uh, bigger breakfast we have and the smaller supper we have, yes. the better off we are. Yes. So I think that ties into this intermittent fasting. I, I love mm-hmm. when you say that in the book, is you say that the when is more important than the how when it comes to intermittent fasting. Yes. So doing it, actually eating breakfast and lunch and then not eating till breakfast again is more powerful than doing it the other way. It seems so. And uh, I wish we had a good logical scientific explanation <laughs> for this. We're looking for it. But right now, uh, it just starts out with the observation, you know, the empirical observation this is what is happening. Yes. And then further research, I think, will reveal exactly what is, is going on. I suspect it has to do with the amount of insulin that is released in, into the bloodstream. You, you also talk in the book about there is a medieval proverb from the 16th century, and you say, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. So does this put to rest once and for all that skipping breakfast is a bad thing? Yes, I think so. I think so. Uh, not because of the proverb, but because we now have evidence to, <laughs> to back it up. But it's interesting that, you know, somehow this sort of, you know, ancient wisdom and some old wives tales turn out to be true. Most of them aren't. Yes. But uh, many of them eventually do, do turn out to, to be true. Absolutely true. Judy, did we answer your question? Yes, thank you so much. That was very helpful, very informative. Thank you so much for calling Finding Your Bliss. Have a great afternoon. Thanks. We have another call on the air. We have Sherry in Toronto calling Finding Your Bliss. Hi, Sherry. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Do you have a question for Dr. Joe? Yes, Dr. Joe, I understand there's a lot of uh, talk in the media about uh, lessening our intake of animal proteins and moving towards uh, fish, uh, things from the sea. And that's... and. For many reasons, omega fatty acids, et cetera, et cetera. My concern always is that how safe is our fish consumption given the sourcing of it, the proliferation of mercury uh, in the fish? If you could kindly comment, that would be great. Mercury, of course, is a real issue. Uh, mercury is, uh, is highly toxic. And uh, when someone is pregnant uh, or in early infancy, this is a very big concern. Uh, When the nervous system is being formed, that's when mercury can do the most damage. 
Now, how does mercury get into fish in the first place? Mm-hmm. Because any time that you burn fossil fuels, coal being the example, mm-hmm. There are always small amounts of naturally occurring mercury in there, which uh, on combustion gets into the air Mm -hmm. and rainwater brings it down into into lakes and and rivers. And that's where fish uh, get it. And the larger the fish, the more mercury it contains because large fish eat smaller fish. So things like tuna and swordfish, Mm -hmm. uh, shark, these are very, very large. And uh, our usual recommendation is that during pregnancy or or when you have infants, then you are very, very careful with this. Mm -hmm. When you are older, it is less critical. But uh, certainly during pregnancy, uh, yes. Now, there's also, you know, stories that I'm sure that you've heard that things like tilapia, are garbage fish because right. they, you know, they right. they eat all kinds of crud. Uh, most of this is not so. This this comes from internet bloggers who really don't know what they're talking about. Then there's also also the distinction that is made between farmed fish and uh, wild fish. Nutritionally, there really is no difference there. Uh, so. Uh, I think that it is a good idea to replace uh, a lot of the meat with fish. I wish I could do it. I have a fish allergy, unfortunately, oh. so I, I can't do that. But I, I, I wish I could because there's a lot of scientific evidence accumulating now that uh, we've been um, basically eating too much meat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I didn't have to say that because uh, my background is Hungarian and, and uh, Hungarians are dedicated <laughs> carnivores. <laughs> right. <laughs> in, in Hungary, salami is a vegetable and uh, uh, tofu is illegal. Uh, you know, so and I, 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 I grew up on, on that kind of stuff. But, you know, in the world of science, you go according to the evidence, not according to your wishes. And the evidence is now suggesting that the closer we are to a plant-based diet, although I don't think it needs to be exclusively plant-based, the closer we are to to being healthy. Hmm. Uh, there are many reasons for that. Uh, one is that when we cook meat, we tend to cook it at a pretty high temperature. People barbecue, fry, etc., mm-hmm. And uh, that produces a lot of nasty compounds in the meat, mm-hmm. uh, things like polycyclic hydrocarbons and uh, and uh, heterocyclic aromatics. And uh, these are certainly animal carcinogens. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are benefits to eating meat as well. It contains a lot of uh, vitamins, and of course it contains a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. So I never say to anyone, never do anything, never do something. But I think that you don't need to have the 16 ounce steak hanging off the plate. Right. Uh, (laughs) You know, a four to six ounce steak will do, and it doesn't have to be consumed every day. And uh, I, I think there's a lot to be said for um, going towards a vegetarian type diet. Yes. Uh, it, uh, you know, it, it bothers a lot of people because it's harder to do that. It's mm-hmm. much easier to throw that uh, hamburger onto the, sure, onto the onto grill, grill than to cook a balanced vegetarian meal. Right. But we go by the evidence. Just for Sherry before she goes, what would you say are the top fishes that are safe, healthy? Salmon. Salmon. I would say salmon is, is, uh, salmon has virtually no mercury, uh, in yes. it, no matter where you get the, the salmon. So that's the one that uh, I think one Perfect. should go for. Thank you so much. Sherry, have we answered your question? You have, and, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate your talk. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. We have another call. We have Kathy from Etobicoke. Hi, Kathy. You're on the air. Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. I would like to know, please, what the difference is between biologics and pharmaceuticals. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> biologics are pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceutical is any substance that you take as a, a medication to alter some aspect of, of human physiology. Yeah. But there, there are many different kinds of drugs. Many of the uh, drugs that 
we use are produced synthetically in the laboratory, and they tend to be what we call small molecules. So, for example, things like acetaminophen or uh, Tylenol or, or aspirin, these are small molecules. But there are also molecules that we isolate from naturally occurring sources, from biological systems, and those are called biologicals. So an example of that would be something like Remicade, which is used to treat Crohn's disease. It's used to treat some types of autoimmune disease. So the, the term refers to the source of, of the substance, not to any aspect of its efficacy or, or, or behavior. So a biological is extracted from a biological source, which can be a plant material, it can be animal material, as opposed to something that is made synthetically in the lab. Does that answer your question, Kathy? Are they better? It's not a question. It's not a question of better or worse. I mean, they're they're just different substances. Uh, you know, the, the biologicals have uh, a lot of very interesting research behind them now, uh, mostly because they are used to uh, facilitate immune activity, and uh, they are beneficial to the immune system. And uh, so, it's not a not a question of of you know one or the other. Uh, it depends on what the condition is and what the indications are. Uh, you'll hear a lot more about biologicals because now they are uh, being used in some uh, cancer therapy as well. Mm. Thank you, Kathy, so much for your call today and for calling Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you. I just want to talk about your, this is your 18th book. It's called A Grain of Salt, The Science and Pseudoscience of What We Eat by Dr. Joe Schwartz. I can actually show it. <laughs> and there it is. And uh, this is available and it's a wonderful book. And I, I just want to ask you, what are all of these 18 books about generally and who is the intended audience? The intended audience is, is really anyone who is interested in science. I Make sure that the books are not trivial so that, uh, you know, uh, there's enough science in there to interest <laughs> everyone. And I select topics that I know are of interest to, to the public because I have the experience of communicating with, with the public. And I also know that these days people do not want to read long, involved tomes. So they're short pieces, usually around a thousand words. And uh, I hope that you can pick up the book, open it to any page, find a chapter, say, oh, that's interesting. Let me read that and learn something. And then the next time you go to the bathroom, you pick it up again and you read another uh, chapter. And before you know it, you've been educated. And uh, I select uh, historical items. I, I select some that deal with, with uh, medications, uh, a lot to do with food because everyone is interested in food. Yes. You know, humans don't have all that much in common but we all eat. That's right. And we all want to know whether or not we've eaten the right thing, uh, what we should eat, what we should have eaten, how to cook it, etc. So I deal a lot with that. And this book is totally dedicated to food. And of course, I selected the title, A Grain of Salt, because a lot of the information that is out there has to be taken with a grain of salt. So I try to separate the sense uh, from the nonsense. The, the topics are so interesting. I'm not a scientist, and I find it so fun to read. Why is the egg much maligned? And you just cover seem to cover everything in such an entertaining, informative way that even if you're not a scientist, you find it so enjoyable. It's really written for the layperson, Yes, right? it is. Absolutely written for the layperson. And, you know, one of the uh, sort of pleasing comments that I get is from scientists, because they also read it. And uh, of course, they understand everything in there, but there are new revelations for them as well. So I, you know, I'm very happy with the fact that it, it 
appeals to everyone, from people who know almost nothing about science to people who are very knowledgeable and they all like it. So it's sort of a pleasing thing to hear when you get that kind of feedback. Exactly. We're, we're getting another call, but before we go to the call, I just wanted to say that um, as well. Uh, just give me one second here. Uh, we're, we're, okay, we're going to go to that as well. I just want to talk about the fact that you have 1,700 students in each of your lectures, which I think is the largest lecture uh, classroom is, in uh, all of Canada. I, I think it is. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that it is the largest uh, class in any university. It's a, a class that is dedicated to food and nutrition, and we do have 1,700 students. Wow. The interesting thing is that we only have about 620 seats in the lecture room, uh, but we but we, <laughs> but we record all the lectures, so therefore they don't necessarily have to come to class. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you have that many students, you also want to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted <laughs> when you lecture, sure. you know? And it's very motivating when you have such a, such a large audience. We've also done a, a course um, globally. This is uh, what is referred to as a massive online course. And uh, we did this uh, uh, through McGill three years ago. And uh, it was intended for anyone, anywhere, anywhere in the world. Huh. And we had 35,000 people register for this for, uh, from 162 countries. And eventually, only about 7,500 finished the course, which I was told is a very high statistic. Most of these online courses, uh, people drop out right away. So it's it's really fun, you know, when you're speaking to so many people. And also, you get questions that you otherwise would not get. Sure. You know, you get questions. We had questions from China and Japan. And, of course, they have a totally different kind of, of culture and, and dietary patterns. So we get to learn about that as well. That's so great. That's so great. Oh, my goodness. Uh, why is the egg much maligned? I brought it up. I should ask Well, I, I, I think uh, <laughs> it's the cholesterol content of the yolk. Mm -hmm. And even people who don't know anything about nutrition uh, think that cholesterol is an evil chemical because they know that it is linked to heart disease, which is true. When you do a blood test uh, for the right kind of cholesterol, which is what, what we call LDL, uh, it, it is a reflection of uh, heart disease risk. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that it is now very clear that the amount of cholesterol we consume in food <laughs> is not the determinant of your blood cholesterol. <laughs> the determinant is the amount of saturated fat that is found in the diet. Oh, really? Saturated fats are the fats that you find in butter, you find it in meat, meat uh, you find it in things like coconut uh, oil. Those are the ones that will shoot your cholesterol, cholesterol up. up. But uh, no, the egg has been maligned, <laughs> I think unjustly. Uh, it is actually a very nutritious food. And uh, if you're consuming five to seven eggs a week, there's absolutely no reason to be concerned about that. It's not going to have any effect on your blood cholesterol. Yeah, that's good to know. But if you eat a lot of uh, foods that are high in saturated fat, and many of those people may not realize are high in saturated fat, you know, things like a Danish, for example. Mm. I mean, people think that, yeah, there's sugar in there, obviously, but these things are also very high in fat. High in fat. And unfortunately, uh, some of these baked goods contain a particular kind of fat called the trans fat which is probably the worst for your uh, blood cholesterol. Blood cholesterol. We're, we're, we're almost running out of time, but I just want to ask briefly, like a, a quick answer on can you get radiation from a cell phone and how do you protect yourself when we're also inextricably tied to our cell phones? Right. Well, radiation, uh, by definition, is just the propagation of energy through space. But of course, anytime you use the word radiation, people think of, of uh, you know, explosions and uh, nuclear bombs and, and uh, Three Mile Island and, you know, all of this. <laughs> yes. Well, the radiation that we get 
from cell phones is radiation that we say non-ionizing, meaning that it does not have the energy to break molecules apart. And when you don't have the energy to break molecules apart, you cannot trigger diseases such as cancer Mm -hmm. because cancer requires an alteration in molecular structure. So we are exposed to radiation all the time. We are sitting here doing radio. (laughs) Radio works on radiation. We look outside, you see visible light. Light is just another uh, type of, of radiation. So what matters is the type of radiation, the frequency of that radiation, and what we get from cell phones is not an issue. What cell phones can do is heat things. So you might notice a little bit of heat when you're talking on on the cell phone, but it is not going to give you brain cancer. This has been studied over and over again. You don't have to worry about Wi-Fi. You don't have to worry about cell towers. There's many things in life that are worth worrying about. This is not, That's one, not of one of them. I love Montreal smoked meat. And my late father used to say, I love smoked meat, but smoked meat doesn't love me. Are you a smoked meat fan? Montreal is the capital of smoked meat. What is the deal? On Listen, I, I am a smoked <laughs> meat fan because I love the taste of smoked meat. But I'm also scientifically inclined enough not to eat it too often. Yes. Uh, smoked meat is very high in fat. And if you ask for it lean, you might as well not eat it. it <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the taste is in, 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 in the fat. But the real issue with smoked meat is that nitrites are used in uh, producing it. Right. And uh, nitrites in the body can convert to nitrosamines, which are known carcinogens. Now, smoked meat, of course, has been maligned because of that. And there's justification for this. We have evidence that people consume a lot of, of preserved meats, not only smoked meat, but ham, cold cuts, bacon, mm-hmm. you know, salami, all of these are at increased risk for colorectal hmm. cancer. Wow. Now, it doesn't mean that you never eat it. As I said, I never say never about anything. anything. But it should be an occasional uh, treat. This is not something you want to eat every day. I have to ask you quickly about the bagel because it's one minute to break. Torontonians in Montreal have had a bagel feud for years. What is the coolest thing you learned about the secret life of the bagel or your favorite bagel? Oh, but there's no competition here. Montreal bagel is the best. Other places have rolls with holes in them that they call bagel. Uh, it's lighter. It's less calories. I mean, right? just just what what the trick to Montreal bagel is is much debated. Uh, a lot of people say that it's the water uh, content in 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 Montreal, and uh, that it's the wood fire. Also, they use particular kind yes. of wood. Uh, Saint Urban bagel. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and best. you know, I mean, even within Montreal, we have the debate. Fairmount bagel versus St. Urban bagel, <laughs> you know, St. Vieter bagel, whatever. Uh, bagel is great. Uh, it's certainly better than its cousin, which is the donut. The, the, you, the only thing that these two share is geometry. With the bagel, you can eat the whole thing. With the donut, you should restrict yourself to eating the whole. Although to get to the whole, you have to eat through the donut, I've been told. And, and uh, bagel also, depending on the kind that you have, can have a lot of fiber. You can have whole wheat bagel. In Montreal, we even have flaxseed bagel. And uh, it contains 25 grams of flaxseed. And uh, this is very interesting because uh, 25 grams of flaxseed has been tested in breast cancer patients. Oh. And breast cancer patients who consume muffins 25 grams of flaxseed in there have mm-hmm. a lower risk of recurrence. Wow. This was actually shown shown at University of Toronto, Canada's second best university. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, what I realized, Dr. Joe Schwartz, is we need to have another interview because we're we're out of our time. But I, will you come back again? Sure. Because uh, we, we have to have you back now. I have another 100 <laughs> questions to ask you. And it's really been an honor to have you here. And everyone, 
definitely take a look at a grain of salt, the science and pseudoscience of what you eat. You can get it on Amazon and any any place uh, that sells books. Uh, it's available everywhere. And it's uh, and do you want to add a, a bookseller? Uh, <laughs> It's ECW is the publisher. It should be in all the books. Uh, but if anyone has trouble finding it, you can always email me and we can send you an autographed uh, copy. Uh, it's joe, J-O-E dot S-C-H-W-A-R-C-Z at mcgill.ca. That's fantastic. I want to thank you so much for being here. When we come back, we will meet singer, songwriter, actress, and voiceover queen Wendy Lands, who will sing for us from her new one-woman show, Cabaret. Thanks again. Back in a moment. Thanks very much, Judy. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back in Montreal, really is in the house this week on Finding Your Bliss, AM 740 and FM 96.7. And we are back with Juno-nominated singer, songwriter and actor, Wendy Lands. Wendy is a magnetic and generous performer who made her theatrical debut in the original Canadian production of Les Miserables. Love that. Mm-hmm. She is also assigned, has been assigned artist and songwriter, and we will be playing a track from one of her albums today, her fifth album. And she will also be performing live in her newest offering, a one-woman musical show called What the World Needs Now with Wendy Lands. Wendy is also the voice of many commercials mm-hmm. and films and even teaches voiceover classes in Toronto. Wendy, welcome. Yes, I do. All Great that to stuff. Have you wow. here. So well, impressive. I'm so happy to be here, Judy. I'm so excited for you. This is very exciting. So amazing. Can you take us back to that original production of Les Miserables in Toronto with Mervish Productions? What was it like to star as oh. Eponine? in that very exciting and hugely successful run of one of the most celebrated musicals of all time. Yeah, it was it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Oh. I understudied Eponine. So I was in the ensemble every night. And then when the lovely Loretta Bailey would get sick, they would say, Wendy, you're on. And then I would get to call my mother and my friends and everybody would buy tickets and they would show up. It was pretty exciting. So I got to be Eponine many, many times, like maybe 50 times. Wow. And yeah, it was, um, it was life changing. And you know, uh, I, I, I'm one of the few people who got into the production from uh, a huge cattle call audition. Uh, I waited all day to audition. And when I finally got to audition, I hadn't eaten anything. <laughs> and I sang. I sang Home from the Whiz because I had done it in a oh. camp play. Like, that's how unprofessional I was. And I passed out on the floor afterwards in front oh, of my goodness. the huge panel of, of casting. And they oh. sat me in a chair and they got me water. And they said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And they said, can you sing again? <laughs> yeah. And you were like Eponine. You were like a waif. Yeah, I was like a waif. Exactly. <laughs> <That's> perfect. <laughs> At the time I was. That is incredible. Yeah. 
After making your theatrical debut in Les Miserables, you were signed as an artist and songwriter to Polygram, EMI, Universal Music Group, Fontana, North, and Hippo. You were a staff songwriter to Chapel Music Publishing in L.A., working with people like Melissa Manchester, sharing the stage with Mandy Patinkin, who was just here this past week. Oh, wow. How did this all come about and how did you get signed? That's so cool. How did it all come about? Um, I'm a big dreamer. And um, I'm. I try to stay pretty positive. I set goals, and I just I don't take no for an answer. You know, I, I think that um, everything comes from my heart. I'm married to the most supportive partner in the world, yes. and he's been my partner almost since those early days. It was sort of post Les Mis, but um, you know, we work together. We write songs together. We've created albums together, wow. and I think having Jim's support has um, let me feel so free about pursuing my my dream. So fantastic. Were you always a musical theater kid? And did you always know you were going to be a singer even as a young child? I always knew I wanted to be a singer ever since watching the uh, Cinderella version with Leslie Ann Warren. Did you ever used to watch yes. that? Oh. In my own little corner in my I I wanted to be her, which led to me wanting to sing. And then when I started going to camp when I was about 10, I got the leads in the plays and I got the bug and it was how I defined myself. I was the girl at camp who couldn't swim or play <laughs> basketball. <laughs> but I could sing. So That's that was who I so was. So fun. yes, I mean I I wa- I wanted to be a singer forever. And, um, you know, I saw myself as what I am now, sort of a multi-passionate artist. Wow. Yes, musical theater. Yes, original music. Yes, jazz. Yes, acting. Yes, voiceover. Everything. That's so fantastic. You've put out five albums, which is so phenomenal. And your latest album, which is your fifth album, is called Altitude. And the song is called Come By Me. Is that yes, accurate? Yes. Yes. And can you set up this track for us? Because I think we can have a little listen maybe of you yeah. on your, from your fifth album. Well, I'm obsessed with the 60s, as we'll talk about. And I'm obsessed with those fun little bossa novas from the 60s. And I wanted to create one. So I got together with my husband, Jim Gillard, and the awesomely talented Ted Quinlan, who is a jazz guitarist and composer in the city. And we came up with this little fantastic song called Come By Me. It's easy, breezy, and very flirty. Love to hear it. Duncan, are we ready for it? All right. Let's have a listen. What you doing? Come, come by me any time of your choosing. That you need a bruising My door's been left unlocked So you don't have to knock Just go You have such a gorgeous tone in your singing Thank voice. You. Oh my God, Thank I love you. that tone Thank in your voice. You. Stunning. Thank you. So beautiful. You are also, and I'm not surprised, a hugely successful voiceover artist who's been obsessed with voiceover since you were a young child. Yes. When you used to record yourself doing commercials on your little tape recorder. <laughs> I, did, I love that. I yes. What was the fascination with doing this? And can you tell us about some of your favorite commercials that you have voiced? Well, I think the fascination, I think um, some people are more clued into visual. Some people are more clued into 
oral, you know, oral hearing things. And I think I always heard stuff first before <laughs> I, before I saw stuff. So even when I was so little, there were commercials on the radio, like, hi, I'm Mary from the Royal <laughs> Bank. I don't know if you remember Mary from the Royal <laughs> Bank, but then I would go home and I would practice being Mary from the Royal Bank. I was so five. Nice. She was probably 35. <laughs> I thought I sounded just like Mary from the Royal Bank. And so I would make up then my own commercials that led to somehow me getting to do that thing. I don't even know how it all came to be, but, um, I have, uh, I used to say name, name a product. I've done a voiceover for it. Um, Barbie. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good product. <laughs> I was the voice of Mattel for, I think, 22 years. That's incredible. Yeah. Did you it, get to get any free Barbies? I, I got free Barbies. <laughs> I got free Barbies. That's so fun. <laughs> it was the greatest. It was because I had also been a huge Barbie fan. I love my Barbies so much. Oh. So it was such a thrill to be able to advertise Barbies. That's so amazing. Yes. You also lent your voice, and this is fascinating, to two Oscar-winning films, Polanski's The Pianist yep. and The Shape of Water, directed by Guillermo del Toro, to sing the voice of Eliza. What was it like working? I just like saying his name, Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. He was so generous. It was crazy. It was a huge thrill. Absolutely huge thrill. Wow. Now, I auditioned and initially was chosen to sing the big theme, You'll Never Know. But I uh, was replaced by Renee Fleming, who's a gorgeous, amazing opera singer. But they left me in the film uh, as the voice of Eliza when she's finding her voice. Mm. Uh, you know, she doesn't speak and then she finds her voice in her fantasy. Wow. You'll never know just how much and that's me oh, <laughs> isn't that cool oh i love yeah that. so that i auditioned for um and and got that part and then del toro was just incredibly generous incredibly uh really wanted to see me and know me for someone who is so massively famous he made me feel seen and known and um, like a unique talent isn't that acknowledged like he saw totally. he saw you as an artist yes. not just like yes do the track and let's go exactly that's yeah so it was amazing. quite a memorable experience and um be yes i i recorded the soundtrack to the pianist to the oscar-winning <sighs> polanski directed film the pianist and i became a big hit in poland and uh, went to Poland because of it, because, yeah. Everyone, you got to download uh, Polanski's The Pianist and The Shape of Water to hear Wendy. I'm going to do that. I'm not The Pianist, though. I, my album is called Wendy Land Sings the Music of the oh. Pianist, Vladislav Spielman. That's oh, the name of that album. That's gorgeous. Yes. You also teach voiceover classes in Toronto, and I know this because I have taken your yes, class at my Big little voice student. studios You're so good, owned Judy. by Elaine Overholt. <laughs> and I loved your voiceover course. You're Thank such a you. pro. It was so fun. And Thank like, you. so not what I expected. It was just, in fact, maybe I have this radio show because of you, Wendy, because oh my about God, a year later. I love that. <laughs> that's what happened. So, yeah. What advice do you have for those that want to pursue voiceover work? Wow. I would say, um, to remember that voiceover is acting. It's not welding. It's <laughs> not something that you're going to take a six-week course at and be ready to roll. Uh, people say, how long is it going to take me to get to be a voiceover actor? Well, your whole <laughs> entire life. Because me, after thousands of commercials, I'm still like, did I, did I do that well? How do I do that better? So it's about mastery. It's about with studying with someone who really gets you and gets what you need and is a really good diagnostician like I like to be a diagnostician. Say, Judy, yes. I just want you to pretend you're talking to your best friend right now. Yes. You know, like, yes. you know, someone who really uh, understands that it's about studying yeah. and also being brave. 
Absolutely. How can people take your voiceover course, Wendy? Oh, well, Wendy? guess what? <laughs> I'm going to be teaching another six-week voiceover class at the amazing Big Voice Studios. We love Big Voice Studios. Yes. Starting February 8th. It's going to go February 8th to March 14th. So they can look up bigvoicestudios.com or they can get in touch with me through my website, wendylands.com. Wendylands.com. And that's W-E-N-D-Y-L-A-N-D-S.com. You got it. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, you also, I mean, you're doing so many different things. Like you really, you really do it all. Like and it's I'm fantastic. Mother. And I'm mother. And a mom and a right? wife and a, yeah. and everything. What is most exciting to me is your latest offering because yeah. it's coming full circle. It's, you started it's exactly with Eponine. That. You started with all of this wonderful theater in Toronto and, and big mega theater, like not just, you know, yes. the, the real deal. And now you've got your one woman show at the world needs now with Wendy Lance, which was just nominated for a Broadway world award. Yeah. How cool is that? Congratulations. It's really, it's very exciting. Wow. It's very exciting. Can you tell us about this one woman show? Tell us all about it and how people can see it. Okay. Well, um, I was brought up in the 60s and 70s. And I believe that the music from the 60s and 70s, you know, Dusty Dion, Petula, Carol, Carly, the Carpenters, but that is the new great American songbook. Yes. Uh, and it's the music that I grew up to. So my show, What the World Needs Now with Wendy Lands, has songs by all those singers mm-hmm. in it, and it's threaded together by monologues that are personal, but they're also historical. You know, I talk wow. about my life, but it's your life, too. Wow. And uh, it's kind of like a primetime TV show circa 1969, oh with tons goodness. of audience participation, too. And I'm doing it next at the Burlington Performing Arts Center. That's, November that's quite close to Oakville, it's isn't it? quite close to Oakville. And how can people get tickets to this? People can go on the website for the Burlington Performing Arts Center and buy them there, or they can call the box office of the Burlington Performing Arts Center and buy tickets. To what the world needs now with, with Wendy, Wendy Lands. Lands. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yes, I was yes. going to say what the world needs now is Wendy Lands. Oh, well, but... <laughs> I like that. <laughs> when we come back, Wendy is going to sing live from what the world needs now with Wendy Lands. I think she's actually doing it Acapella, which is really impressive. Wow. What the heck? (laughs) Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and we are joined by Wendy Lands and she's going to sing from her one-woman cabaret musical theater show. And she's just decided she's going to do it a cappella. We yeah. were going to have a track and it didn't all work out. And so here we are. She's brave. I'm impressed. So I thought, I don't know. I'll just do a little minute of a monologue and just sing a little bit for you. 
Can you tell uh, us a little bit about the song now. and the monologue that yes, we're about well, to hear? Yes, well, you all know the song because it's what the world needs now. Uh-huh. And the monologue is part of one of the monologues that I do in my show. And it's pretty self-explanatory, I think. The show takes you uh, on a time trip back to the 60s and 70s. So this is a little taste of that. Are you ready? Do you want to take off your your headphones so that you can just go for it in full performance? Okay. Ready? All right. Love. That freewheeling, world-changing, Martin Luther King, I have a dream-making, barefoot, hippie-shaking, Beatles-induced, coma-creating, JFK kind of breathtaking, how a Bacharach melody gets your heart aching. Yeah, that's what the world needs now. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love. Sweet love, no, not just for some, but for everyone. There you go. There's a little tease. You can hear a lot more if you come to the Burlington Performing Arts Center. That's uh, centered November 30th. November 30th yeah. at the Burlington Arts Center. And that was without music, folks. That's really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I, I study improv. What can I tell you? <laughs> Wendy, do you have a favorite experience? And was it in a commercial or a film? Do I have a favorite experience? And was it in a commercial? In voice, just for voiceovers. Yeah, yeah. It, voiceover. You know, I got to, when I was the voice of Bell Canada for like five years, um, I got to voice this Remembrance Day spot that is one of the most beloved uh, spots ever. Mm. It's where um, a a young man goes to where his grandpa fought uh, on the beaches of Dieppe. And he calls his grandpa from there on his cell phone. He says, Grandpa, I'm here right now. And it's real. Mm. uh, And I got to voice that commercial. It's actually on my Facebook right now. If you want to go to my Facebook page and see it. How can we do that? We go to Wendy Lenz. Yeah, Wendy Lands on Facebook. Um, it's pretty easy. There wow. aren't too many of me. L-A-N-D-S. Wow. <laughs> yeah, That's that a- was a pretty spectacular experience, I would say. Wow. And you did that gig for five years? For five years. And then That's on the amazing. other side of that, and when I lived in L.A. and I did voiceovers, I once had to be a whistling kettle. Like, <laughs> How do you <laughs> be a whistling supply, kettle? Like, oh, I don't know. It was the stupidest <laughs> thing. Stupidest thing. But the check was real, so whatever. And it worked. It worked. It's amazing. <laughs> what are the three most important things to Wendy Lance? Oh, my God, Judy. Okay. Wow. I didn't know we were going into a place like this. I love it. The three most important things to Wendy Lance. Oh, my God. Well, um, uh, positivity is everything to me, um, to brainwash ourselves to be as positive as we possibly can that, and that every single day is a fresh start and to never, ever forget that, um, to be grateful for everything you do have. I'm sure we all have things in our lives that are a pain, uh, even deeper than a pain that are painful. Sure. But I think to make the most out of everything that is beautiful and good love that. Uh, puts you on the right path. And for me, love, <laughs> you know, I, the, the love I give and the love I feel. Absolutely. And I'm going to cry now. <laughs> I love that. What is sheer bliss 
for Wendy Bland's? Like what would be a day or an experience that would you would constitute as one of sheer bliss? Because this is finding your bliss. So right. we want to know about your bliss. Um, I love performing so much and I love creating so much that um, a day of sheer bliss, I think, is really a day where I get to do my thing in front of an appreciative audience and just yeah. um, give my all. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. There's there's actually nothing like it. Yeah. So people want to contact you with voiceover work, they can call Big Voice Studios. Yeah, you, you know, my website, wendylands.com, has a little a contact page. And I love hearing from people. I, I don't shy away. If you would like to send me an email and ask me any question in the world, please do. I will get back to you personally. So November 30th, I want people to go and see the show. What time is the show in Burlington? I think it's at 8. 8 p.m. You have to just make sure. Two acts each 50 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a little drink. I'm sure you can have a little drink. You may even be able to drink while you're there because it's going to be a, it's a cabaret space. It's called the community hall or something like that. Sorry, Burlington. It's a, it's a cabaret space. You're from Montreal. Do you yes. still love Montreal bagels Woo! the best, or have you been Torontified? I have not been Torontified. <laughs> I go to I go to a place that has quasi Montreal bagels. You know, I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> you uh, can, you can. I think it's called oh, it's called Bagels on Fire on Queen Street okay, East cool. uh, in the beaches, <laughs> and um, my daughter's obsessed with them. But they're not really Montreal bagels. They're the best you can get in Toronto. Yes, I remember when I was in university here, a boy took me on a date for, for a bagel, and, and oh no. I, I, I was like, what is this? I I really thought he was kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What about Montreal smoke meat? Do you like what about it? It's the best. It's everything. And I've made, you know, my husband is from Welland, Ontario. (laughs) (laughs) And he is such a a Montreal smoke meat fanatic now. Uh, He even like gave me my first ring. Like it was like our first friendship ring on the, at the counter at Schwartz's. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Wendy, I have to thank you so much for being here well, with I have us to today. Thank you, Judy. And we have a very cool idea about how you can come back. We're going to talk about that. But we'll talk. And I want to thank our fantastic guest, Dr. Joe Schwartz. Check out his latest book again, A Grain of Salt, The Science and Pseudoscience of What We Eat. It's fantastic. And singer, songwriter, voiceover artist, Wendy Lands for being here today. Montrealers are great. And Montreal will always hold a special place in my heart as it is my hometown as as well. I also want to send a very special birthday wish today. Oh, here we have it. Thank you so much. So here it is. I don't know if you can see this. <laughs> I want to send a very special birthday wish today to my nephew and godson. I'm going to cry. Louis Brandman in Montreal on his 18th birthday today. I love him with all my heart, and he really reminds me of my beloved late father, Herbert E. Siblin. I know that Lewis is going to do wonderful things in the world. I love you so much, Lou, and happy, happy birthday. For more information, I'm going to let this balloon go. Okay. <laughs> For more information on finding your bliss, please follow us on at the Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook or go to www.findingyourbliss.com. And if you're a writer or an aspiring writer, please write to us at Judy at findingyourbliss.com about your bliss. And maybe it will be published in our online magazine, findingyourbliss.com. Before we go, I'm going to close out the show, as we always do, with a short meditation from the book Happy Yoga by Steve Ross. And here it is. And of course, if you're driving, please pull over, turn off your ignition, open your window. I know it's cold today, but a little bit. And just recline gently back. And away we go. 
Begin by noticing how you feel in this moment. Bring yourself into the realm of feeling, not thinking. Don't think about how you feel. Don't interpret how you feel. Don't even make a story about it. Just notice it. Start with the body, the actual sensation of life in the body. The breath is happening subtly. Perhaps there's a mild electrical sensation running through the body, maybe a little tension or pain sensations, heat, cold, tingles. That's all the physical body. Now see if you can feel the energetic body. By that I mean the sensation of being alive. Your eyes are gently closed and you're just open to this moment, wanting nothing else but to explore this moment for yourself. Don't think, just feel what's happening, keeping your attention on the subtle feeling of life playing in every pore and cell of your body. Feel your aliveness right now and hold this awareness for as long as you can. Even a few moments of this are extremely valuable. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank our producer, Phyllis Newman. I want to thank our production coordinator, Valerie Stanton, our amazing technical producer, Duncan Briggs, and Faz Quasi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And for all of us here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to Finding Your Bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.